Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. And we're into extra time. No my whakarongo mai key extra time. A web-only programme brought to you by Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Ravinda Hunia. Kicking off today's podcast is last night's Halberg Awards, where New Zealand's sporting success was celebrated in Auckland. Clay Wilson was there for RNZ, and he joins me now. Clay, let's start with the big winners on the night, with Team New Zealand having plenty to celebrate. There certainly was, Ravinda, plenty of reason for Team New Zealand to smile last night. Not only named Team of the Year, but then later in the night, capping it with the Supreme Award, the second time they've taken out that award, uh, beating out Sportswoman of the Year Lisa Carrington, Sportsman Tom Walsh and Sophie Pascoe who won the Disabled Sportsperson of the Year uh, category. So a great night for Team New Zealand, of course, reclaiming the America's Cup in Bermuda last year. You know, they, they were certainly uh, enjoying the fact that they got a chance to reflect back on that victory because, of course, they're focused uh, now on what's going to be the 2021 Cup in America and all the preparations for that. And a first-time winner in the sportsman category with Walsh taking the gong. Yeah, Tom Walsh, he's one of the real personalities of New Zealand sport and in typically jovial mood last night with his silverware backstage decked out in a, a, a Scottish kilt with the tartan of his mother's family, he, he told us, backstage. The first male to, to win a, a, an athletics uh, track and field world championship from New Zealand. So you can't really argue with that. Uh, and only a few... A couple of titles to tick off, and he was very clear in reminding media backstage that um, he was out to to claim that Commonwealth Games gold medal in April. There were also a couple of back-to-back winners, with both coming from the kayaking fraternity. Yeah, Lisa Carrington and her coach Gordon Walker both reclaiming the awards they won last year. Uh, Carrington Sports Woman of the Year. You know, a, a decent win in that category up, up against two rugby players, uh, Sarah Goss, the New Zealand Rugby Player of the Year, and Portia Woodman, the World Women's Rugby Player of the Year. Uh, so uh, s- some decent competition there, but Lisa Carrington, four gold medals, I think a record haul at the World Championships. Uh, and not only that, asp- inspiring the next generation of kayakers. You can see that with the, the results they're starting to get in the team boats and it's uh, step she's taken to sort of diversify, I guess, uh, to to step into those team boats and something she's really enjoying. Of course, Sophie Pascoe was again the winner of the Disabled Sportsperson Award, but she really has been dominant in that category, hasn't she? No real surprise to see Sophie Pascoe take out that award. The fifth time she's won that award, which seems probably almost in as many years, uh, just a swimmer who's... I think nine times an Olympic champion now and multiple world records and world championships. Uh, couldn't be there last night, Sophie Pascoe. It was obviously uh, fairly well into her preparation for the Commonwealth Games, but it's, 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 it's an award that you feel like she might have a mortgage on for a wee while now if she continues at the same levels. There is often a lot of debate around the winners on Halberg's night. Was this year any different? No, no different at all. The, these awards, they always bring a lot of debate um, as to who should win and who shouldn't win for various reasons. 
the main dis- dispute or debate last night, I guess is a better word, was around the, the team of the year. Uh, team New Zealand obviously taking out that award. A lot of people thinking that perhaps the Black Ferns world champions last year. And uh, I guess the argument from a Black Ferns, Ferns perspective is not only was it a great achievement, but some people will argue it's much more of a, a New Zealand team. There's always the thought around the America's Cup that... Uh, there's a lot of uh, other countries contributing. To, it's more syndicates as opposed to countries, um, which there certainly is some truth to. But uh, I certainly didn't have a problem with Team New Zealand winning that. I think you can't argue with what they achieved, the likes of Peter Burling and Blair Chuk. I, I don't really think you can argue with how amazing they are as athletes and what they achieved. I think they, that they deserve that, that award. And Black, the Black Ferns would have deserved it as well. But, of course, not everyone can win, and there's always going to be debate, and that was certainly debated last night. That was sports reporter Clay Wilson. This is Extra Time. The Winter Olympics opening ceremony takes place in Pyeongchang in South Korea later tonight, where 21 New Zealand athletes will compete at this year's Games. Sports editor Stephen Hewson with this report. Koberger showing very quick feet through those gates. Oh, yeah, she's taking the perfect line through there. Annalise Koberger's silver medal at the 1992 Alberville Olympics seems to haunt the current New Zealand team in Pyeongchang rather than inspire it. The bulk of the team weren't even born when Koberger stood on the podium, but Snow Sports New Zealand high-performance director Ashley Light says while Olympic success has eluded them, international success hasn't. It's important to note that Snow Sports athletes have been incredibly successful over the last four years winning X Games gold medals, World Cup medals, World Championship medals. So, you know, being on the podium and winning isn't something that's lacking in the programme. It's just this elusive Olympic medal that every four years, um, you know, gets talked about. New Zealand's best medal chance lies with the speed skating team pursuit combination of Peter Michael, Rayon Kay and Shane Dobbin. At 38, Dobbin's just one of the seven members of the 21-strong New Zealand team that was alive when Koberger won her 1992 medal. Dobbin came out of retirement to compete at these games, and he's not regretting it. The Pursuit Trio finished second at the World Champs in Pyeongchang last year, and they've posted four top three finishes in World Cup events in the past 18 months. The Team Pursuit in particular is a very competitive event. Out of the eight teams, I believe seven have made podium this year, and you know the difference between first and fifth and sixth, for example, you're talking 0.3 or 0.4 of a second. Now, if you're Spread that out over eight laps, it's it's less than a blink of an eye per lap. With the pursuit the only team event in speed skating, Dobbin says most nations centre their training around the individual events, but they've taken a different approach. A lot of the nations may only do one, one training session a week specifically on the team pursuit. We've managed to adapt some of our training programme for the individual races into a more of a team pursuit environment. And we've learned how to not only skate um, close and in sync with each other, but we're also able to um, assist each other with speed. So we kind of, we skate behind each other and we skate with the arm out in front and the guys behind are assisting the guy in front. So we're kind of giving them a little push while we skate. Snowboarder Carlos Garcia-Knight's attending his first Olympics and he'll be one of the first New Zealand athletes to compete. The heats for his slope-style competition are tomorrow. I really enjoy courses that you can play with and have different creative lines that not many other people have thought of. It's also quite technical, which is good. Like, there's a lot of like hard features to get through, and so it makes it makes it a lot trickier. But then that's what that's what I enjoy. It's 
last thing I want is a plain easy course that you've seen everyone do a lot of stuff on, you know. So it's cool that it's all different to, to usual, and I think it'll be an awesome show for people to watch. Carlos Garcia Knight will be joined by Tian Collins in the slope style qualifying tomorrow. All up 3,000 athletes across seven sports will contest 102 events, with the opening ceremony getting underway just before midnight tonight. That was sports editor Stephen Hewson. The Northern Mystics defender Michaela Sokolic-Beetson is the sole new cap in the 12-strong Silver Fern squad, while shooter Amelia and Ekanasio makes her return after taking a year off. Defender Katrina Grant will again captain the side, while Maria Fulau is vice-captain. Katrina Grant told Matt Chatterton change was needed following their dire quad series last month. Obviously that Northern Tour did not go the way we wanted it to go and we've really come back needing to train hard and really look at ourselves and as a team and I think these two additions coming in are, are great team people and I think that makes a massive difference. You know when you've um, just got everyone who just, I know, comes, this group will just come together and it's, it's exciting. Um, you can just see, feel the buzz already and everyone, everyone gets along, you know, everyone will be there to support each other and I think um, the biggest thing with any sporting team is, you know, when, it, when the culture's good on off the court, it's going to make such a difference to, to performance when the pressure is on. What, when you did the debrief from the Northern Tour, what was sort of the outcome, I guess, of what you, what you saw or, or heard from Janine? What does she want to see more of, I guess, from, from you guys? Because we were disappointed that, um, you know, in the England game, we had learned from what we had done wrong and we'd gone and rectified that against Africa and then completely, um, you know, the basic errors led us down again against Australia. And when you do that against them in the first quarter, it's really hard to come back. Obviously, um, everyone saw that. And you know what? Everyone's taking individual responsibility for that. We know what we need to do. We just need to do it. And now is the time. You know, we have how many, like 55 days, I think, until we start. And it's a, not much time, but it's enough time for all of us to come together and actually do what we need to do. Because there are, we've got a great bunch of netballers here and got the skill set to, to win any game. And that's what we're going in here for. So that being said, will there be any drastic like style changes at all the way you're playing at all going into the tournament? I, can't be, I don't think there'll be any drastic style changes. Um, I think what we need to do is we've got the right game plan and that we just need to execute it better and that's what it's pretty much about is execution is, is the key and um, once we get that going and I think having some time together we've got a few camps with this new group so just having the 12 of us together sorting out things um, on and off the court you know and just being together will help. With Australia and New Zealand, there's always been this rivalry. Is there any concern at all, I guess, that the, the gap between the two countries is widening from your perspective? You know, it is. I suppose that January um, game was horrible. Like, it's just, even thinking about it, it's just not okay what happened. Um, and then Con Cup, we didn't do well. But you know what? In that quad series game against Aussie, we beat them by 10. And it's the same, it's a very similar team on both sides. So if you can beat them by 10, why can't we beat them all the time? So we need to go back and figure out what did we do so well against them then, um, get our confidence up, know what we want to do, have faith in each other, just do what we need to do. And, yeah, like I said, 55 days is, is not a long time, but I back this team 100% to get this done. And between that 55 days, you've got the Tony Jamison against Malawi, Fiji and Jamaica. Uh, sort of what is the goal out of that series? Is it, I guess, three comfortable wins or is it, I guess, gelling more with the new recruits? What, what is it working on? All of the above. 
gelling, um, going on off court, getting that game plan settled and sorted, getting everyone on the court, getting combinations sorted, um, and then just winning. We need to win. That was Matt Chatterton speaking with Silver Ferns captain Katrina Grant. In other Com Games announcements, the New Zealand squash team was confirmed with Cambridge's Joel King and Greymouth's Paul Cole headlining the team of seven. Her naming marked a wonderful 24 hours for King, who just the day before the announcement won the Cleveland Classic in the United States, beating the current world champion in the final. Brimming with confidence, the world number nine told Matt Chatterton she's got high expectations for the Gold Coast. My ideal is to win three golds. Um, I think in the doubles, uh, we've already shown winning back-to-back world champs in both the mixed and the women's that we have the quality there to do it. Um, it's just making sure it happens on the day. So, yeah, and then in the singles, um, at this stage, I should be seated, you know, top four. Um, but that doesn't mean anything set. And, you know, there's good players above me, but there's also a lot of good players in that sort of five to 16 bracket as well. So, yeah, my, my goals are pretty clear for myself. Um, three goals. But, uh, yeah, you still got to, it's easy to say, but you got to make it happen. So, I'm looking forward to the challenge. Um, to achieve that, what sort of have you got to do over the next sort of month and a half? Have you got? Uh, I'm imagining you've still got some sort of uh, tournaments coming up that will keep you sort of uh, as uh, as peak as you can be going into the event. Yeah, it's a it's a busy time for us. You know, um, I just finished TOC, came straight to Cleveland, played this event. I've got you know 12 days before the next big one in Chicago. Uh, from there, I'm heading to England to work with um, my coach, Hadrian Stiff. Um, that's kind of been the biggest thing of my season. Is I, I, I've started working with a new coach, which is um, the bases in England. And yeah, so I'm going to spend like three weeks there getting ready for the Com game. So it's uh, it's pretty exciting. Working with this new coach, do you think this has sort of been what's uh, sort of led you to such success this season? I definitely believe it has a massive part to play. Um, you know, like anything, sometimes you get a little stale with what you're doing. And I felt at uh, early last year, I, I probably had some of the worst results I've ever had and just feeling a little frustrated um, and kind of took a look at every every aspect of my game and uh, decided to, to give this a go. And I, I went the first time in March and just absolutely fell in love with the way Hadrian coaches. Um, there's an awesome group of players that are based up there as well. Um, so we kind of feed off each other, and I think it's definitely got a massive part to play in, um, in this season's success so far. Does Adrian have a particular type of philosophy or style of game that is suited to you, you think? You know, it's, it's funny because my style of game is actually like a lot of pace and power and things like that, and it's almost like he's kind of, the exact opposite and, and it's really helped to complement um, the game I already have so he kind of takes it, strips it right back and, and tries to slow everything down which you know is something I've never experienced before and I think just the freshness of it and something completely new and a, a kind of a door that's opened of a whole side of my game I've never looked at before is um it's been really exciting and a challenge and uh yeah I'm just loving my squash at the moment, loving competing and, and loving uh, finding new aspects. New Zealand squash player Joelle King talking to Matt Chatterton.
The King has returned to the Blues and he's ready to rock and roll at this weekend's Brisbane Rugby Tens. The former All Black first five, Carlos Spencer, is pulling the boots back on for his old super rugby side at the age of 42. And as rugby reporter Joe Porter found out, the Waiopehu weapon is ready to fire. Spencer. Goodness, he's not going to pass it as he does to Rokathoko. Joe Rokathoko up the middle. Oh, Spencer. Oh, this is amazing. Carlos Spencer twists the knife. It's Lancaster Park in 2004. The Blues are leading the Crusaders by two points with less than a minute left. Carlos Spencer fires an audacious skip pass on his own goal line. Joe Rokothoko breaks and Spencer scores the try, dotting down in the far corner even though he could have scored under the posts. He then nails the sideline conversion before flipping the Christchurch crowd the bird. <laughs> oh, come on, mate, don't bring them up. <laughs> While he might not want to relive that night, rugby fans will never forget, including Spencer's former all-black teammate, Christian Cullen. You've got to rub it in, you know, because the Canterbury, you could imagine the Canterbury crowd giving him stick and then giving him stick when he scored in the corner and then he would have been pretty close to them on the sideline there and then just put the nail in the old coffin and uh, give it the old finger. I mean, how good is it? It's, uh, it's pretty good to watch. Cullen says Spencer is one of a kind. Would any other first five do in that position? I know what most of them would do. They'd kick it out, you know. They wouldn't throw it across their uh, their goalpost. One of those things that only, I guess, one man in, in New Zealand rugby at that time would have done. Massive confidence, massive belief in his skill, and he's always had that. I mean, shit, you remember remember when he was uh, schoolboy stuff and, and college stuff, the same thing. Spencer guided the Blues to their last Super Rugby triumph in 2003 before departing the franchise in 2005. Coach Tana Umanga says the man who made Toffee Pops popular again has been putting some of the Blues' current players to shame. I mistook him for one of my players today because he looks in good condition and he tested well yesterday, so you know, he's, he's looking good. Legend of, uh, of our club and I know all the players, are, you, know, you can see them all mumbling and, and that and, you know, about having him in. And he says having someone of Carlos' calibre around is a boon for the team. Those kind of things are priceless when you can have someone of his experience, his pedigree, and to be around and, and, and pass things on. And, and if you know loss, it's casual conversations, and it, you know it's showing someone that they usually see on on screen and on on walls and, and, and posters, and then just to talk to them. I think that's an experience in itself. Cullen echoes those sentiments. He says the live-in raised Spencer was an inspiration to young players from small town New Zealand. I played schoolboy stuff with him. I mean, he was one of the ones that was played Harfanua and then went to Auckland, did the big move to Auckland, and uh, I guess gave us, you know, kids coming out of Harfanua, you know, sure what, what, what you can do, where you can go. No fear. I mean, that's what I loved about him. Just tried anything. You know, the banana kicks, the behind kicks, the knee kicks, the no-look passes. The Hurricanes' tens captain and star wing Julian Savia, who's hoping for a big year to force his way back into the All Blacks, can't wait to see one of his childhood idols in action. Definitely like the way he, he played, just a lot of confidence and, and trust in his skill to you know, do whatever he wants. So definitely looked up to him and uh, loved watching how he played. Knowing Carlos, he's a classy, flashy player, so uh, we just got to watch out for that. Though he concedes getting shown up by a 42-year-old is something the young guns will be avoiding at all costs. No, no, no one definitely wants that. I guess my advice would be just don't take any dummies from him and just, just get him if he's got the ball. As for Spencer himself, he concedes he's slightly nervous how his now slighter frame will cope against the brawn of the modern rugby player. The biggest challenge is going to be the physical side of it, you know, taking contact again. Um, I managed to do a little bit of contact with the boys on Friday up in Cambridge with a bit of wrestling, and you know, I felt that on Saturday morning. So, yeah, I think the contact's going to be the biggest challenge, which I've never liked anyway. <laughs> for one weekend only, King Carlos is back.
Joe Porter, reporting there. And that's extra time for this week. If you have any feedback about this week's show, you can find us on Twitter at RNZ Sport or our email sport at radioNZ.co.nz. Koravinda Hunia Aho, hey Kona. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.